0: The intro?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think it's your turn. Us
0: by now, it's uh, I'm Kami, uh, the Doomer, and then it's uh Franz, the Bloomer. Howdy. Right? What's going on, folks? What's, been,
1: what's the name of the show?
0: Uh, I forgot, honestly. Oh I, my what god! Is, it's been it's been so long since. Uh... <laughs> oh is... no no it's Do- Doomer Doomer versus Bloomer. Doomer versus Bloomer. Thank Doomer you. Bloomer. <laughs> Sometimes phonetically pronounced as Doomer v Bloomer, but that's not the actual. No, I think we decided early
1: on that canon.
0: Like the canon pronunciation. Canon pronunciation. Versus Bloomer. Doomer
1: versus Bloomer, but it is spelled with a v and All a right. period instead of a vs. Which
0: I'm honestly not that happy. I, I you be think versus, we should and... switch it to vs? <sighs> I I don't know. We're gonna have to talk to the to the to our (laughs) our manager about that kind of stuff. But we'll do that off air.
1: (laughs) I'm cutting this out of the podcast.
0: No, you're not. Um, You're leaving this in.
1: How do you feel about the Sand Book? You read Dune or Dune? (laughs) That's what we were talking about today. I
0: recommended Dune. I'm, had you read it before? I no, no. It? You
1: recommended it to me, and I read it very recently. Yeah. It's good sci-fi. Yeah, it's yeah. Good sci-fi. Well, is fantasy. it sci-fi? Yeah, fantasy. It's, so, it's soft. It's like epic fantasy. I
0: think it's considered like soft sci-fi, right? It does happened.
1: Dune even take place like in our universe? Yes, it does. It like, does. You, okay. If, I didn't actually know that. Yeah. If you I've only read the first. If one. you notice
0: some of the religious texts and stuff, like the like, oh. I forget how it is like some mishmash of Protestant and like Buddhist. Stuff. I forget. Like there's like the red green book of so-and-so's Protestant yeah anyways
1: yeah no but we we read a different sand book that also is a one syllable word starting with d and has to do with
0: we both read the (laughs) entire but we both did this 70
1: page pamphlet with a three-hour free audiobook that commie was supposed to read by today and only i I started reading and got mad was the thing (laughs) (laughs) that's fair that's fair you know what i mean like Uh i feel like
0: that happened what was the last thing that we read against empathy shit That That didn't make me nearly as mad as this shit did. But yeah, I guess this book, Desert, made me about as mad as the community against fucking space bullshit.
1: (laughs) Okay, I thought you were a doomer, though. Like, isn't this... A doomer text like isn't this? This the is why it started to annoy me. Doomer text.
0: Sometimes it feels like you can't choose your own teammates in this yeah. <laughs> fucking anarchist shit game. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And that's what was pissing me off about it. It was like, man, maybe I shouldn't say I don't those people on on my team. <laughs>
1: but you don't want this text to represent what it is to be a doomer.
0: For, at least for me specifically, mm-hmm. yes. Because I don't want to play the game of trying to like give like a definition for all. Because I think we've agreed on the pod that the doomer bloomer dichotomy is it's not a binary. It's a uh-huh. it's a spectrum within us. Is two wolves, right? Yeah. A yeah, doomer yeah, yeah. and a I bloomer. I was gonna say that, <laughs> right. But this is one of the wolves that I do not fuck with, this desert shit uh-huh. by Anonymous. And I guess, I guess we can get into why.
1: For anyone who's not familiar with this book, or it's it's about a 70-page pamphlet. If it's printed, it's free on the Anarchist Library. That's how I read it. It was published in 2011. It's a text that's very popular within anarcho-nihilist, anti-civilization, individualist tendencies.
0: Right. I feel like we started this podcast and I was starting to flirt with the mm-hmm. anarcho-nihilist and I feel like so much of my politics is like based on like what's annoying me (laughs) right (laughs) at that time
1: and so now you're swinging like anti-doomer because you're annoying what do do you okay what is annoying about this to you
0: right there was one quote in particular that was it was the part where they're gushing about how beautiful anarchists are It goes, anarchists can be wonderful. We can have beauty and self-possessed power and possibility in buckets. We cannot, however, remake the entire world. There are not enough of us and never will be. That's when I fucking rolled my eyes and it was hard. I could, I really, and like, that was like the beginning of uh-huh. the fucking pamphlet.
1: You just don't like the floweriness of it. You Do you it's have not any not actual just the critiques floweriness, of
0: this? It's like indicative of, all, of like a lot of the attitudes that I see coming from these kind of particular, I'd call my individualist leftist tendencies or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like almost smug uh-huh. and and so like self assured. When I read shit like that, it's like someone trying to like soothe you as they like put the nitrous <laughs> mask or whatever over your face and knock you out. You right, know? right, right, do You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, I, first of all, uh, how the fuck do you know that, pal? <laughs> like, who are you to say that uh, we can't do any of that shit? I don't know. Maybe
1: we should just lay out what is the main argument yes, in this book. Yes, please like, bring what, some what structure is... to
0: this, otherwise I'm just gonna rant.
1: The main thrust of like what this book is trying to convey is that climate collapse, ecocide, the worst case scenario outcomes of climate change are at this point inevitable and that's the main reason things are hopeless there's some other supplementary reasons they throw in such as the fact that the surveillance state is so strong its revolution is impossible there's not enough anarchists people have
0: always said that, that the state is too powerful right, for you to right. like
1: fight against it and then also this idea that hope is pointless it isn't possible for us to recreate the world in a better way So holding on to this principle of hope is only going to bring pain and suffering and create burnout. Which
0: is something probably similar to what I've said on the podcast. Yeah. And they say it sets
1: the stage for you to become disillusioned because we all fundamentally know deep in our core that we're doomed anyways, (laughs) is basically what they imply. And so that we need to like give up on any constructive vision on the future and instead make do with collapse and find the best ways to exist within a doomed apocalyptic world.
0: Yeah. that doesn't even exist yet, right?
1: That doesn't even exist yet, oh, right? No, right, <laughs> right,
0: but we're going to let it happen because it's no use in trying, apparently. Because it's inevitable. Because it's inevitable, that's right, yeah.
1: What they're advocating for is dropping out of society, letting states crumble on their own, which is a weirdly optimistic view, I think, of how states function. Just
0: because the world gets shittier doesn't necessarily mean that those institutions just disappear because the world is shitty now. Right.
1: They've given up on arguing that their vision for the future is a better vision of the future or that it's something worth fighting for or something desirable. And instead, they're just making the argument that this future is inevitable. Mm -hmm. They're setting up like a lazy argument in that sense by relying on this idea that This vision of the future that this random anonymous person has written in this like 77 page anarcho-nihilist zine is the conclusive future that we're going to live in. Exactly,
0: which is why it was so annoying and like hard to take seriously. I'm actually not gonna try to not be as dismissive of it. I'm just gonna (laughs) I'm gonna let Franz be more kind to the text is like I tried reading it and I got annoyed by it. And we can talk about why that is because I think it did poke some holes in my own like doomerism and stuff, and we can talk about some contradictions or whatever that I found with my own ideas towards that.
1: I'm going to try to be fairly, not neutral by any means. You know, I'm the bloomer of the show. To me, this is doomer text in like the most pejorative way. Yes. That being said, I want to be fair. I don't want to like just shit on it for the sake of getting cheap dunks in.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to try not do that that is kind of my nature that's just a comment on how obnoxious I am personally it's not a reflection on friends or the pod or the network it's just how who I am as a person that's <laughs> that's a legal disclaimer right that's
1: there <laughs> anarcho disclaimer yes don't cancel me
0: <laughs> yes you cannot cancel me because I've I said it before anyone else could so
1: I am not a clout lawyer but that seems like it should hold that'll up that'll hold
0: up in, uh, thank you
1: that being said yeah let's just get into the, the arguments so one of the tendencies in anarchism that this zine is critiquing is the idea that you could have this singular anarchist vision for the future. Part of the argument in this book is that global anarchist revolution isn't possible. There's no way that we have time or are capable of pulling off quote-unquote the revolution and so instead, you know, we should give up on the idea that we can create a better world.
0: Can I just say that shit is, is annoying because all it really serves to do is, in my opinion, delegate the responsibility for we don't want to call it revolution or whatever. Like the responsibility to do something about this fucked up system like right now is like, oh, well, we actually can't fight. So we just have to do nothing. I don't know. Dude, it feels like a cop out. It's like resigning yourself to your fate. Right. It's like this very religious sort of like death culty mm-hmm. like take on the future. They're treating it as if the future is already a yeah. Totally.
1: They're setting up this false dichotomy between our two options are, in the next 20 years, we have to be able to pull off a singular anarchist revolution that is going to, in one fell swoop, overthrow all the states of the world. Yeah. Which is obviously unrealistic, right? That's good to critique. That's not going to happen. But the only other alternative isn't to say, well, civilization is going to collapse and crumble on its own. And billions of people are going to die and I'm going to be fine because me and my crew, I don't know, this pamphlet very much relies on this idea of subculture and like having your anarchist clique of friends that you can survive the apocalypse with. So it's setting up those as the two options. You and your like anarchist crew survive the apocalypse together and have fun while doing it. Or we pull off this spectacular worldwide totalizing revolution in 20 years. And there's no in-between. Yeah, (laughs) right. And so
0: there's obviously several blaring issues with a dichotomy like that. First and foremost, okay, like those aren't our only two options. Right. The future is always way more... I hate to overuse the, the meme word, but nuanced, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's never as simple as either we all get together and do, like, one big global revolution or the world completely collapses into, mm-hmm. in, into apocalypse and our only hope is to, like, be Robin Hood in their merry band of men right? in the fucking, <laughs> or band of people, like, living in the woods. Like, what? I don't know. Those are the two options? Like, really? I don't think so, man.
1: I kind of hate the way that people talk about the The revolution. Yeah, yeah, the Rev is so disconnected from any on the ground organizing. It's so disconnected from any actual like thought put into broader strategy. What are our long-term, medium-term, short-term goals? Like how do these things connect to each other? It's just this sort of abstract after the revolution. Like that's how you hear it most often is people say, like yep. after the revolution, things will look like this, or like during the revolution, like this is going to be happening. And it's very much this discrete event, something that happens and before that you have capitalism. And then after that you have communism or anarchism or whatever it's become a generic leftist meme right to talk about it in this way which is
0: probably why it's so easy for people to Mm -hmm. like dismiss it to dismiss it uh, right
1: i think they are critiquing this very straw man version of what the generic revolution is so i wanted to talk a little bit about my thoughts around anarchist revolution in general the idea behind like anarchist revolution is very different from say like a marxist conception of revolution right most of the revolutions in history have been liberal revolutions. Liberal Republican democracies overthrowing monarchies and then usually sabotaging the further left elements Mm -hmm. of the revolution in order to establish power, right? (laughs) What's unique about anarchists is that anarchists don't seek to replace one existing power structure with another power structure. Right. Anarchists are trying to abolish states, abolish hierarchies, and not use hierarchical means to achieve those ends.
0: Which is what's uniquely cool and then also frustrating sometimes about being (laughs) anarchist or anarchism in general.
1: It's a more complicated and difficult process to pull off. How do you abolish states without having a state yourself, whatever? Mm -hmm. But in the end, as anarchists, we believe that our means have to be in lines with our ends because you can't create the world you want to see through unjust and unethical means. The means you use, the strategies you use are going to be reflected in the outcomes you create. Ideally, yeah. Sometimes I question even if revolution is the right word we should be using when we're talking about the types of transformations that anarchists want to see and that's not me rejecting the idea of revolutionary rupture what's that like a radical change in existing power structures and social relationships but i just want to problematize this idea of a revolution as a singular event
0: like there's a general strike happening and then
1: in one fell swoop we just win the day or whatever
0: okay yeah i see what you're saying as opposed to probably manifesting as like a bunch of little conflicts.
1: Right. It takes a long time to build power, to build the new world in the shell of the old and simultaneously be tearing the old world apart as you go. That's a long process that can take many, many steps in many, many years and decades even
0: like steps forward and backwards right right, right. every direction
1: I mean we've seen that since the birth of anarchism huge steps taken forward and huge steps taken back in the anarchist movement as a whole the amount of sway that anarchists have in in shaping the society and the economy and so on you know in the US at its strongest the anarchist movement was a labor movement think about like the IWW the fight for an eight hour day and then they were like very thoroughly crushed the US government was like we can't let that happen we can't let them win Mm -hmm. see I think I think this book really relies on this straw man of what the global revolution is in order to create this argument that revolution is impossible. Okay, right. Along with this critique of revolutionary thinking, they're critiquing the idea that you can even envision what a better future would look like. They critique the anarchists that would like to create a blueprint of what the future would look like or have these utopian visions of what like the perfect anarchist society would look like. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a kernel of truth to that for sure. Again, like something unique about anarchism as an ideology is... Is that we don't seek to create a vanguard party that's going to micromanage every single like aspect of every single yeah. social relationship? Make sure
0: everybody shares the make, same yeah, line. Yeah,
1: we're not trying to like enforce communism from the top down. We're mm-hmm. trying to recreate a set of social conditions that reduce and abolish hierarchies and domination and unequal access to resources and so on. Absolutely. And so again, I think the author of Desert is setting up what they mm-hmm. think that social anarchists stand for in order to, like, reject the whole project of creating a better world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn. W- what a shame.
1: We can't blueprint out exactly what the future is going to look like. It's way too complicated for that. Right. We don't know every factor, anarchists are a minority of people and we should be fighting for a world in which people have say over their own lives not just some small group of anarchists has a say over their lives. Mm. Like it doesn't make sense for anyone to try and draw out like this is how exactly how the world is going to be structured.
0: Right, especially just our numbers or whatever like this local like minority. How many ideologies in the past have like started off as like little cults and stuff mm. like, you know, <laughs> like like even like Christianity you know, started off as like a weird Jewish cult and then decided this dude was, Masi- you know, you know All what right. I'm saying? (laughs) like power can come from i don't know i guess anywhere or you know like the smallest of places you know Mm -hmm. if i want to get really esoteric about you (laughs) talk about the big bang you know how it came from a little singularity i don't know if that's getting too much in the weeds but a lot of this sounds like excuses
1: you know what I'm saying right right, right.
0: which is why it was like kind of off-putting for me Mm -hmm. and not because I was like disgusted with them but I feel like I've used those same like excuses in the past to be like oh the future is futile or whatever we just have to fucking brace for impact essentially which yeah is something that I guess is like frustrating
1: because not having a perfect blueprint for exactly what the future should look like is not the same thing as not pushing for changes in the right direction right like anarchists have a set of ethics things I've already said like a ball abolishing hierarchies, ensuring equitable access to resources, giving people autonomy in their everyday Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. I think we can be fighting to change social relations in a radical way to create those conditions yeah
0: and i also feel like in a lot of ways like have a duty to yeah. you know, if you're gonna label or identify as like an anarchist or, or radical leftist of whatever cloth, right. you have to do something you know otherwise right. it's like it's just a fucking fashion statement which is i think something that, that gets critiqued on like the modern western left mm-hmm. is like your politics being like a fashion statement yeah which i think there's legitimate reasons why it's manifested in that way in this culture in like the west because of how we got fucked up in like the 60s and 70s that excuse can only take you so far you know until you start like critiquing it and like taking it apart and recognize what's happening and then like i don't know do something about it. like trying right. to try not to be that way but like it's just like, i don't want this to just be a cultural signifier it's like an aesthetic
1: yeah a big part of it is an aesthetic and that's re- Revealed in how much the author relies on this idea of like subcultures.
0: Oh, Christ.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like this quote one does not need to believe, as many have, that countercultures are prefigurative to see their value. After all, whilst in most temperate places, anarchist subcultures are not, quote, new worlds for the future. They still remain barracks and sanctuaries for today.
0: It's fucking religious, it's fucking <laughs> rare.
1: subcultures are this place you drop out into to like you no longer have to interact with, engage with, try to change in any sort of positive sense the broader world around you, the context in which you live in. It's drop out and say like, my subculture is a, a sanctuary for today. Yeah,
0: trying to create a new world inside the shell of the old or something,
1: which is. I like that phrase. I like the idea of creating the new world in the shell of the old, because it means you're creating a new world, right? Right. That necessitates a destruction of the old world. And the new world comes into direct conflict with the old world. Mm -hmm. They're not creating a new world in the shell of their old. They're They're creating creating a sanctuary. A sanctuary. They're retreating from the world. Creating a new world necessitates having a vision for the whole world, for everyone that lives on this planet, for the entire biosphere, not just for, like, you Uh and your friends.
0: Yeah, dude, it's like flying the fucking white flag instead of the black flag, you know? (laughs) Damn, dude. That's what that is. You're gonna cloister yourself up in your little subcultures, and I don't want to get too petty about it, but it is frustrating because it's something that I've like a tendency that I've recognized within myself Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, dude. Because you know what? Because like having hope or whatever, or like a expectation, and like a strong desire for like a better future Mm -hmm. when you see like a world that's like in a wash and and seems as if in a lot of ways because of like how small our like perspective is, living like a finite life. Yeah, dude. It can hurt. It can hurt to have those hopes and expectations and mm-hmm. desires and to like work for them and to see it not mm-hmm. succeed in this way that is like i guess revolutionary in like the sense we were talking about earlier where it creates like global revolutionary change uh-huh. and this is like a reaction to that feeling of hurt you know yeah. that a lot of yeah. us experience you know and i think that's why he goes on to talk about like about this creates burnout and da 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 and that's something that I, I, I don't know if I want to say I agree with him, but it's like something that I felt in the past, you know. Yeah, and why totally. I, I had like a critique of hope and what I considered to be bloomerism right. before.
1: I mean, that's definitely like where you were at when we started this show, mm. like almost two years ago at this point. Yeah, I think so. Two years, yeah. That was kind of our premise is we were having these arguments about hope. And to me, what hope means is the belief that things could get better and for me that was so so central to like why i was a leftist like if i didn't believe that there was a chance that i could play some small role within a larger social movement to like radically transform the world for the better yeah. if i didn't believe that was possible like why would i be engaging with that right why would, why would i be an organizer an or whatever yeah. right yeah why would i bother like recording this podcast and engaging with anarchist politics and doing on the ground real life or organizing if i didn't believe that a better future was at least possible Mm -hmm. i don't believe it's inevitable but to me hope isn't the idea that the future is always rosy it doesn't mean blind optimism it means there are potentialities for better futures and we can fight for them and that is worthwhile and we might not win but we could win Mm -hmm. and to me that's why hope is important And so then this book, it's equating hope with blind optimism, with a religious adherence to a utopian future that is on the horizon. And they say that that inevitably leads to burnout and inevitably creates disillusionment with anarchism and causes people to move away from anarchism rather than sticking with it. I don't know. I feel like there's some truth how, to that. and least, there's some, There is some truth to that. Burnout is real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that it can come yeah. from having like a hope for a better future and seeing it not necessarily manifesting right before your eyes, mm-hmm. you know? Or maybe the opposite happening, especially like during the Trump years, you know, seeing the rise of like the alt-right and stuff mm-hmm. and like all the crazy like street battles and shit that was happening It felt like we were like besieged or whatever. But we see how quickly these movements can like fluctuate. Yeah, you know, totally. like it's just it's just constantly in a flux. To me now, it seems silly either side of the spectrum of, of like, oh, things are going to get fucking better or things are going to get worse. It's like you can't.
1: Right. Things can get better. That's my point, is we don't know. Things could get a lot worse. It's important to acknowledge at this point that a part of what makes this book, I think, so appealing to a lot of people is that there is a lot of truth in it. There's a lot of necessary stuff said about accepting and acknowledging the fact that climate change is happening. I think the future they lay out is not the only possible outcome as far as climate change goes. It feels like our only options are climate denialism or climate nihilism. Denialism and nihilism, right? It sucks, like, yeah. On one side, it's a declining amount, but because of the power of the fossil fuel industries, climate denialism is very much still real. And then on the other side, the people that believe in climate change are hopeless about it. And then you have the people who like know it's a problem, but ignore it. And I think that comes out of a place of, it's too difficult to think about. It's too Fear. difficult to like confront the fact that it could be really bad. So you'd rather just not think about it. This is probably most people in the global north who are able to sort of right now in the year 2021 live their lives as if climate change isn't on the horizon, as if we're not already seeing the effects of climate change, as if we're not in for decades to come, of increasingly horrific natural disasters and refugee crises affecting the entire globe, right? Mm. People don't want to be confronted with that fact. And good thing about this book is that it confronts you with that. But I think it's also really dangerous the way they portray it as completely hopeless because people are going to move right from ignoring it to still ignoring it. <laughs> because if it's so bad you can't fix it, the conclusion right. is the same. Don't do anything about it.
0: And that's where it becomes like a, kind of like a death cult because I feel like the reason the desert can be popular it validates a lot of people's fears and anxieties that they have about the future. Mm -hmm. You know, fuck dude, things are looking bad. And this person being like, yep, things are going to get bad you were valid in your belief that shit is getting worse mm-hmm. you know which can be a release for some people yeah it could be a cathartic for, for people that have those fears that can be kind of crippling to them speaking from personal experience you know when you want something so bad and it seems like it keeps slipping out of your reach it could be cathartic for someone to come along and be like hey pal stop reaching are, start yeah start re- stop reaching bud what are you what are you worried about mm-hmm. things are already fucked pal might as well pull up a chair and fucking you know play some cards with your buds or what we you know what whatever it is right. you know and that's where this feels like almost like a religious text sometimes mm-hmm. at least in what it prescribes as a response to these supposedly inevitable apocalypses that are on the horizon for all of us it's hey stop trying put your faith in your subculture and your buddies Was it called or the whatever. rapture
1: the yeah. apocalypse is gonna come and then we're gonna create have, I don't know Yeah, heaven, well, well, I mean, he, we're gonna I go to heaven I don't know I, get, I don't know I get what you're about saying about the I,
0: Bible. W- I know that you're fucking Richard Dawkins <laughs> atheist and so religion's kind of difficult for you but I, I essentially Catholic, yeah. We, we, explain we're, we're, it to me please I mean the rapture is a different it's the, not a I, that's I, an
1: evangelical I, thing or something the, okay
0: know. if you really want me to explain no, you, well <laughs> no the rapture is 4,400 people get pulled up to heaven who are like supposed to be God's most pious uh-huh and, like but isn't it people. like the end
1: of the world? Isn't it like the apocalypse?
0: It's supposed to be like the heralding of like the beginning of the apocalypse. Like the yeah. rapture happens and then all the shitty Oh, it's stuff. the beginning of the apocalypse. Yes. Like all those, all the really super good people are safe, so they don't have to go through the bullshit of the apocalypse. And the
1: super good people are me and my crew of anarchists who are going to be really good at hunter-gathering. Well, I mean, or... yeah,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, ideally. Or it's Pushing like, the metaphor now. Or, but... the, yeah, if you want to get religious metaphor about it. And, <laughs> yeah, dude, that sucks. If I was, like, watching a bunch of zealots walk into, like, a fire or something or, like, jump off a cliff, that would be horrifying to see, you know? Yeah. I'm not trying to be—I guess I am being hyperbolic. Forgive me. I love you guys. I just don't <laughs> want to see y'all jumping off of a fucking cliff into the ocean because, like, that's the only that's the only option that you see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know uh, at the top of the episode I said I was going to try to be diplomatic, but it's hard. Like, this stuff, like, really does piss me off, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, same, dude. It's like, yeah.
1: If someone for themselves wants to, like, give up hope and say, like, I don't think a better future is possible, like, to me, that's really sad. But up to you, you have your own beliefs, your own opinions, you can do that. But I think the proliferation of texts like desert that seek to instill this sense of hopelessness are really dangerous
0: not even just a sense of hopelessness but like a sense of enlightened hopelessness, enlightened hopelessness. you know what and i mean
1: i think it's de facto counterinsurgency in a lot of ways yeah. it's acting to like demotivate people from participating in struggle exactly Maybe people are coming at this for similar reasons that you came to this, like actually experiencing burnout, experiencing the thing that they say you will experience if you have hope, Mm -hmm. because that is a real phenomenon. Like burnout is a real thing. People push themselves really hard. They have these really high expectations for themselves and their own engagement with radical politics. And when they don't win the revolution right away, it's really hard to deal with that. Or, you know, even if like your organization falls apart, or
0: you get caught up in some fucking drama. You get caught up in some drama, whatever. <laughs> and you feel like this is this is dumb. I can't believe we're, right. we're dealing with this shit and not fucking fighting the fash, dude. You <laughs> <laughs> gotta deal with. My f- these stupid interpersonal stuff instead
1: then you're like wow i can't believe i ever tried to be a revolutionary because that was always gonna happen this is always gonna happen
0: people are always just gonna fight not like me yeah so
1: i'm just gonna give up hope i don't care if you want to give up hope for yourself if you want to say like i don't think it's worth my time and effort to engage in revolutionary politics so I'm going to drop out of society and go live in the woods. Like, I'm happy for you. Like, if that's your best life, that's your best life.
0: It's like how many of the people the, actually do that, though? But
1: the, th- And the thing is, they're not just advocating giving up hope for themselves. Like, they're giving up hope for humanity. They're giving up hope yeah. for the idea that we can create a future where billions of people don't die horrifically. They're giving up on a world where we don't just sacrifice like huge geographical swaths of the earth. to climate destruction and those so-called sacrifice zones are predominantly situated in the third world they're situated in places where a first world anarchist writing this book can sit comfortably at home while that happens and it they're so blasé about that fact. Yep. Their treatment of the third world in this piece is really, really off-putting. Like, really disgusting to me, honestly.
0: Same, dude. You want read the quote?
1: The one about living in the slums? Yeah,
0: like, this, this should tell you all you need to know. I, I guess we're throwing out the whole, like, trying to be... <laughs> gracious with this I mean, text wanna, but come on i want to yeah. what
1: i meant by gracious is like i want to critique these arguments like i think these arguments are really bad and i want to critique them i'm just not trying to be like if you think this would like you're a piece of you're shit yeah. piece no, of we're shit. not trying to say
0: that because we all we haven't all been there but it's it makes sense why people would come to this conclusion but it's a bad and a dangerous one
1: a big part of the vision for the future that is laid out in this text is i think it's fairly reductive but they have this idea that the result of Global warming is going to be that current cold zones get more tempered and more livable and current hot zones are turned into deserts and become very hostile to life and hard to live in. Okay. And as a result, states will retreat from those zones and those will kind of be like autonomous areas where like various different social formations can arise, like anarchistic, nomadic, hunter-gatherer, whatever.
0: This is Dune that you're talking
1: about. <laughs> right, it is Dune! <laughs> like, that's guy. what I was saying! <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So that apparently is going to happen. And so there's this, this weird person.
1: fetishization of the third world and this fetishization of it's an indigenous way, relationship to quote unquote wilderness. This idea that there's these indigenous populations that are primitive, noble,
0: the noble savage shit. You're
1: if <laughs> you want to put it that way there? i don't know i just i think the whole concept of wilderness is fairly problematic i think that kind of came into anarchist lexicon through like henry david thoreau and that early american green anarchist thought which mm. had this idea that like before european colonizers came to this land it was just like this vast empty wilderness and like that is something that's romanticized and they all talk about how wild and untamed it was it's like well in reality indigenous people in north america were interacting with their land very intensely for a long long time it didn't look like european agriculture like it didn't look like monocropping and plantations I think it was a lot more sustainable a lot more like in tune ecologically i don't want to generalize but there was like these right, different so and so varied weird. relations to the land there was but like, it multiple societies
0: this, like... of indigenous people that interacted with one another and like survived in different ways like there was like the comanche who were like purely like a raiding nomadic society would follow the buffalo and also raid their enemies and then there is uh, I can't remember which tribes that like engaged in more like agricultural like society and like right. it, just because they were like like indigenous people wasn't like oh they're all yeah this they way. weren't all one thing and they this continent
1: all, yeah. definitely wasn't like this vast empty untouched by humans no, like dude. quote unquote wilderness it was, like, kingdoms of uh, right like, what
0: we I guess what we could equate with kingdom you know because like indigenous societies organized differently but uh yeah
1: they're not like necessarily like you would european they develop their own like like
0: agricultural techniques based on
1: complex agricultural techniques developed over the course of many generations yes and so to like classify that as wilderness i think is a little patronizing like it doesn't make sense 100 and it's so i think like something this book does is it even
0: go so far as to say fuck that yeah yeah (laughs) honestly (laughs) yeah I couldn't help, but, like, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna assume what the identity of this, of the author, but it came across to me as, like, a very, like, very, like, fucking white takes, like, (laughs) I don't know. Try to like shy away from like just being purely like identitarian, but I think it's very it's important in the critique of this specifically, especially with its like kind of like you said fetishization and also infantilization mm-hmm. of you know so called like wilderness and and the third world.
1: They have a romanticized view of indigenous people in in the third world, especially in Africa. They have a whole chapter about Africa, and then yeah, then they also talk about like more urban like third world communities and. Sweater settlements or slums, and they're talking about it in this very like rosy-eyed romanticized, like these are very egalitarian communities. Like this is what our future looks like, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And so they describe this experience of of visiting the third world. They don't say specifically where, but I'll just read the quote. The first night I slept in a third world squatter neighborhood, I felt surprisingly at home, as I'm sure anyone who has lived in squats, especially occupations, in the global north would do. The bodged electrics, the air of camaraderie, the dirt, the dogs everywhere. If the bright yellow M arches signpost the presence of corporate globalization, Talking
0: about McDonald's, folks.
1: then shelters constructed from fading blue plastic tarps and pallets also act as global signposts this time that you're entering the squatter world.
0: Like, I'm sorry. Was this person not born in a fucking suburb? Like, to, to romanticize living under blue tarps? Like, I'm sorry. That might be, like, a fun little, like, adventure for you to right. have when you have somewhere more, like, dry and comfortable to, like, run away if things get really fucking mm-hmm. bad. I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to... That puts a fucking like right. when I hear shit like that, like that isn't even really trying to make that much of like an ideological point. It just seems like fluff and flower to like kind of fill up the pages of this. That to me is like way more telling mm-hmm. of like how this person views the war- Like yeah, It's, it's yeah. just like some fuck adventure or whatever. I don't like where where this author finds beauty in yeah. the world they keep saying that like oh the, all this stuff is beautiful like living mm-hmm. under a tarp with chickens and your, <laughs> like waking with chickens on your face and yeah stuff. yeah and like, they say that you can live I, i'm not i'm not saying that you can't live like a happy fulfilling right. life under those conditions by any means but
1: but you shouldn't romanticize those conditions.
0: Those aren't, yeah, no, because there are way better living conditions that should be right. available to everyone. The resources is there. It's being hoarded by our fucking, by our enemies, you right. know, like by the capitalists, dude, by capitalism, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to say that, oh, you know, well, we can't fight them. And actually living like this is beautiful. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I, I'm going really back on, on my promise to not be fucking hyperbolic. <laughs> I'm gonna, But I'm going to say fuck you for that, like, that's bullshit, man. Do the people that are living under the fucking tarps, like, if you gave them a choice... Or, right. Or, like, oh, no, actually, the way that you're living right it's now beautiful. is beautiful, and it's way more rugged, and it's way more, uh, like, in tune with, like, the earth and stuff, and so we're actually going to... We're going to leave the suburbs and come do that with you. right? That's...
1: <laughs> okay, and then, like, the paragraph ends, quote, the family I was staying with were lovely, and there was so much energy and creativity and resilience crammed into the shack alleys all around. I truly felt like I was in a temporary autonomous zone. <laughs> I like I feel there like the response Lee's to going. that should be like I mean that's an amazing triumph of the human spirit that you can find community that you can make a life for yourself and have interdependent social relationships probably like they probably have amazing like mutual aid relationships like the fact that people are able to survive under these conditions make relationships like eke out a good life for themselves like it, it is there's beauty in that there's beauty in the triumph of the human spirit over the worst possible conditions you can imagine not that there's beauty in the bad conditions and also who gives
0: a shit about beauty man and i yeah. think like i think it goes back to what was Well, what I think, was what, was when i say beautiful
1: i mean like i think it shows no. the potential for humans I, to create I, something better I'm not, not, so but, i just want to clarify but now you give your critique but
0: just, <laughs> it just goes back to what i was saying about like how it's just like turning politics into aesthetics yeah you know yes. and it, which is which is frustrating it's because it defangs it. it makes it non-political which is the capitalist whatever however you want to qualify them um, they love to see it too. yeah <laughs> they love to see us do that shit into And to believe that there is no hope because, you know, their power is so hegemonic, you know, the surveillance state, you know, they got fucking knife drones, whatever it is. The state loves to see the left make those kinds of critiques. It fucking sucks, dude. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) To put it in layman's terms, you know.
1: It does fucking suck.
0: (laughs) Right? I just, I keep coming back to the term death cult when I read yeah, this shit. Yeah. The reason I keep bringing up the extinction article that we, we mm-hmm. read, like, years ago. I'll link the episode where we talk about yeah, that. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I keep mentioning <laughs> it. It's just, it's a person saying that, like, climate disaster is inevitable and that the human race is going to die. And you need and, to come to peace with that. It's very much like a, this
1: self-help, like... The,
0: the five stages of death yeah. kind of shit. Advice that you give to someone that has, like, stage four, or, like, pancreatic cancer or something, uh-huh. but for the human fucking race or whatever, you know? <laughs> This is more concerning to me than, I guess, having hope or whatever has ever been to me. And I guess this is why it's like kind of... Why
1: you've really come around.
0: I don't know that I... I wouldn't say that I come around and maybe that's just because I'm trying not to like admit defeat or whatever. Fair <laughs> enough. I don't feel like a bloomer because I've read this shit. The conclusion that I've come to is that for me, it's not it's not about like hope necessarily. Fran's going to roll my eyes because she's a fucking I'm gonna atheist. I'm roll your eyes. Yeah, yeah going to roll my <laughs> eyes. No. But I think I try to think of it in like not like explicitly like a Buddhist sense, but like the whole idea that like desire or whatever is like the, the root of all suffering, blah, blah, blah. I think there's some truth to that. Our sense of self, our ego creates like attachment to anything and then our mm-hmm. attachment creates desire and then that's the root of all suffering when you when you right. have an attachment to any particular outcome to anything mm-hmm. you open yourself up to
1: disappointment to, to, to disappointment, not to being suffering achieved. or what? Yeah, yeah whatever
0: and so a lot of like buddhist practice is centered around trying to cultivate like a sense of like here like being in the here and now mm-hmm. you know that's why you hear that a lot because suffering comes from an expectation you know like that's how you get a lot of anxiety you know your expectations for the future you know fuck i hope my boss doesn't get pissed at me for something that i already did in the past uh-huh. blah 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 easier said than done that's why a lot of them go be monks and like just like be coistered from the rest of like society <laughs> in order to like achieve these uh-huh. like states of oneness or but,
1: people really dedicate their lives to this yes shit, you and, know? but the, and the reason I,
0: but I, the reason i bring it up is because i like applying that sort of mm-hmm. concept to politics what matters most. Is what you do with the time that you are occupying right right now, whatever outcome your actions elicit is something to be dealt with when those outcomes occur. So to have hope or like, oh, fuck, I really hope that this blockade stops this this company or whatever from from shipping these fucking fossil, whatever it is, I guess you can do that. But what's most important is that you're there blockading and like still doing this. Not just because, oh, just doing the thing is good enough. It's Uh because it creates the potential for something good to come of it. And
1: I think that is the disconnect.
0: Yes, that was the disconnect that I felt before and has really jabbed a pin in my side. This is why this is annoying to me because just doing the thing, I guess, is better than doing nothing. I'll give you that. But at the same time, there's a disconnect there. You don't want to just do it because it makes you a better person or, be- right. or, or because it's
1: cathartic or
0: because it's cathartic. <laughs> no, you do it because doing it creates the potential for something be- like yes. whether or not it happens is is not up to you. Essentially, you know, it's part of like the bigger story of humanity right Mm. the point is that you do it and it's because it creates the potential for that good future that we all want to occur intention is important with that too your intention in doing it is Mm. important
1: because your intention shapes how you engage with those actions. Exactly. Right? Like, I I think there isn't just the ultra long-term, like, what our ideal society would look like or the, like, how can I survive and be happy right now? There's every step in between. Like, what are the long-term goals? What are the medium-term strategies that are going to get us to those goals? And then what are the small-scale, short-term actions that are in some way building towards those medium term goals. When you're thinking in these frameworks, like when you're thinking in strategic frameworks, when you're actually strategizing, thinking about different potential trajectories, like different potentialities of worlds we could live in and the steps that it might take to get there, then you can situate your your daily actions such that they push in those directions rather than just being random disparate actions that make you feel good in the moment Mm -hmm. like just because something makes you feel good in the moment doesn't actually mean it's pushing you towards what a better world would look like
0: exactly often when you're just engaging in cathartic acts it's like the opposite
1: (laughs) when you actually take a step back and ask the question what should we be doing if the premises in desert is true. Like, if the premise that, like, worst case scenario timelines of climate change are true, if we're headed to five degrees of warming by the end of the century. And we acknowledge the fact that climate change is happening. No matter what we do, there is going to be negative consequences. There's going to be an upsurge in displaced people, people dying from natural disasters and so on. How should we actually be acting in the moment to prepare for that getting worse in the coming decades? And I think the answer is more or less we should be doing the same things if that wasn't happening. There's a few extra things like we should be extra focused on like being able to do mutual aid disaster relief, for example. We should be like extra prepared to combat nationalistic and nativistic tendencies and fight for the rights of immigrants and refugees in our countries. But we should also just be creating alternative institutions that reduce our reliance on currently existing power structures and increase our ability to live outside of them, (laughs) like creating community or regional or bioregional based alternatives to the production and distribution of food energy and like the other necessary resources of life is going to make us less reliant on capitalism less reliant on the state and it's going to provide us with the necessary resources to respond to crisis to respond to collapse Mm -hmm. right i don't think the solution is give up live in your tiny community and like i'll get mine how do we start building this better world in the shell of the old because that's the best world to respond to this crisis? And even if we don't, like, turn the whole world anarchist in time, starting to build these alternatives that are able to respond to these crises is only going to be beneficial for us. And
0: it's like like you said, not everyone needs to be a fucking anarchist in order for anarchists to (laughs) do anarchist shit. That's been, like, a time-honored anarchist tradition is, like, organizing with people that aren't necessarily anarchist.
1: There's always going to be movements of people Whenever people are facing like hardship of any kind, oppression of any kind, of course, they're going to respond to that. And people have an inclination to like organize and fight back against those systems of injustice. What anarchists should be doing is going to those people and being like, "Hell yeah, like I want to fight for your liberation too. Like here's exactly. how I think the best way to do it is. Don't go in with the goal of like controlling and like being the puppet master who like orchestrates the whole revolution, but like find the people who have the will to change things and engage with them and convince them that the things that they are fighting for are possible." And that there is a rich history of theory and praxis that you can expose them to and teach them about that might give them some insights about how to best to fight for their liberation. Yeah. You know, encouraging people to build social movements and build alternatives and create better worlds and fight against the shitty capitalist, white supremacist, patriarchal, you know, all All the the adjectives world that we live in.
0: I don't think it's an oversimplification to say That's, like, an ideology that's essentially, like, a fuck you, I'm gonna get mine. (laughs) It's just gonna be me and my people. There is nothing higher than your own self or whatever. I fucking, like, for me, it's, like, what's the point of engaging in, like, a project that's supposed to be about global liberation? Well, they don't want to engage in a project of global liberation. Like, that's the fundamental
1: distinction is, for me, one of the main reasons I'm an anarchist (laughs) is because I want to engage with and help move forward a project of global liberation. And I guess, They are fundamentally yeah. giving up on that project.
0: And yeah, dude, and I guess that's why I want to say things like, fuck you, because <laughs> you're right, man. Why I got into leftist politics to begin with before I even like defined myself as an anarchist it's because I saw suffering in other people that weren't necessarily my own, and I mm-hmm. was, like, moved by it. I feel like I should do something about that, whatever it was. It's, like, evolved as time goes by. But either way, that was what brought me to it to begin with. And so I guess that's why I can't help but take shit like this personally. Dude, We've had homies that are similar to this shit, and shouts out to them. I still love them. And like I said, I feel like I started this podcast much more, like, yeah. in line with this sort of critique and thought and i think it is very telling for me that they also have all this weird shit about like overpopulation like yeah. straight up getting into fucking like i want
1: to do an episode shit. about like malthusianism like i i want to like, really sucks, get dude, into and that. It,
0: like you could see it like encroaching in a lot of these ideological tendencies within anarchism and it it is concerning it's a reason why you probably felt like this is important to critique yeah and like the best faith possible
1: the reason i want to talk about this is because i had seen a few chatterings on different corners of the internet of people. People who I, like, have a large degree of ideological agreement with and who, like, are generally people who do want to fight for a better world saying, like, I read this and it was really concerning. It made me really afraid. If you take at face value, like, the assertions that this... Pamphlet makes about like what the future will look like. It is really scary. Yes, it, pl- it, it paints a really fucking bleak, a really fucking dystopian vision of the future.
0: And what's especially scary about it is this sort of almost like optimism that they mm-hmm. have about half the world turning into a desert and how that's actually okay. Nothing. And, and, I-
1: and that states will collapse on their own and leave these gaps between states where more like egalitarian groups will just flourish. Like maybe they will. Like I don't doubt that like there will be regions of the world that it makes less sense for states to control like historic in the early origins of the state it's a fairly new phenomenon that nation states have divvied up every square inch of the world Mm -hmm. right throughout history states have had less success controlling different types of geographies like mountains for example are notoriously hard for states to have firm control over because it's so easy for people to like retreat into the mountains and like do their little guerrilla warfare tactics and like evade control from the state I'm pretty
0: sure that's how the Swiss have been able to like remain like neutral in a lot of global conflicts and stuff because it's like very mountainous region or whatever either way, yeah and like
1: james c scott has like really interesting writing about this he's an anthropologist who like his area of expertise is on states and non-state peoples in uh south asia so he's talking about like the early development of states in that region and the ways in which You know, populations of people would exist on the peripheries of state. I think this conception of what a nomadic pre state person or tribe or band looks like is very heavily based on these formations that have actually evolved alongside states. <laughs> like these groups mm-hmm. of people who existed outside of states, they relied on states for some of their resources and vice versa. These two social formations developed alongside each other. I'll link some of James C. Scott's writing about that in the description because it's, it's really interesting and I can't describe that whole history off the top of my head but it's very weird because this piece cites James C. Scott. Anti-civilization oh, anarchists love to cite him. He writes about these histories and he's an
0: anthropologist he's an
1: anthropologist who's very clearly influenced by anarchism but i don't think he calls himself an anarchist but he acknowledges that influence but (laughs) i don't know like he writes about these peoples and then like anti-civ ideology like romanticizes it and treats it as like some idealized oh, noble like past, savage past state to return to
0: it sounds like some noble savage but it,
1: these aren't pre-state structures they're structures that like coexisted alongside states and that's the yeah. future that desert is arguing for they are not arguing f- they don't want to abolish states they think states are just going to of their own accord in response to catastrophe recede into smaller and smaller zones and leave all this open space for anarchists to flourish and like even if that is true <laughs> That's so right. Like man. even if like I, it's not outside the realm of possibility that increasingly large zones of the Earth that are hard for states to control. Right. Like I think that's possible with right, like then coming to be like, climate okay, change. Okay,
0: and then that's where anarchism should move. Yeah, that's and where put, it. we should be. Okay. <laughs> we should. That's where especially the, when we
1: understand the history absurd place
0: to place your hope because like let's not get it twisted this isn't like a hopeless book because it's like they decide yeah. to put their fucking hope in apocalypse yes like, apocatopia, apocatopia. we're bringing that back 100 yeah call to, back call back call back to, yeah. to
1: china mieville
0: <laughs> uh-huh how frustrating is that to read that kind of shit it literally is counterproductive but that's the point apparently or i don't know if they're trying to be counterproductive but they are being, like, anti-productive, anti-productive, you know? What a bummer of a way to spend your or spend your time here on this earth trying to be an anarchist. I don't know. Again, sorry for being hyperbolic. I'm going to apologize several times. It just, it's just how I am, how I right. think about things. I know people that have this tendency, and I feel like it comes out of pain. That's not to infantilize any of these people that feel that way, but just I don't think— it's any way to be an anarchist. I don't know, man. Like, what's the point? Well, Like, if, if not to, like, try and <laughs> help the other, you know, like, the, the like us who are the, opp- the oppressed class, you know, or whatever. Like, to, like, free ourselves from this shit, you know, yeah. from, like, the capitalist society that we all agree is fucking oppressive and shitty. And But to say that it's like, oh, actually, that's never going to happen. We recognize that we all want that, mm-hmm. but we also recognize that it's never going to happen. Well, what? I don't know. I feel like this just is like inadvertently very, it's like very Christian, dude, almost like without trying to, without trying to be this idea that like, there's like a, a heavenly like ideal or whatever of like anarchism, but it exists outside of us. It's like up somewhere that can only exist outside of ourselves. And the only way to achieve it is to, is to like, I don't know, cloister ourselves in these like very pious, I would, I would call like <laughs> subcultures of yeah. people, which would be this like anti-civ like rejection of, struggle against capital because apparently their praxis is to wait for it to to die right it to build a fucking new world in the corpse of it or whatever
1: is that what's appealing about this is that you don't like it's something that feels a lot easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism like is Boom. it like does this like, what? what is appealing about this to people? Because like, this is not something that I've ever read and been like, that speaks to me. Well, what is like, appealing
0: about, like, death cults in general? Like, because it's that it's, it's, feeling of catharsis, like, libidinal release of fear and anxieties that you do that you have about like the bad things that you can see that are happening uh-huh. in the world and here comes someone saying like hey man lighting a cigarette or whatever and being like hey pal who gives a shit dude why are you so worried pal it's yeah. gonna happen no matter no you, you can't do anything to change it it feels like people being like wow that's fucking cool i want to be like that dude mm-hmm. i want to be as like non-fucking caring or whatever because that's that's like,
1: you you're you are calling yourself out right now like you're right, only yeah, yeah. a doomer for the cool points like as we've sure. established you're retreating from doomerism like i part. have over the the past two years done a fantastic I job knew you were attribute of preaching going th- to was you. All part of your plan. I knew
0: <laughs> and I know people are gonna say, man, that you've just been slowly like indoctrinated and, and, and like this has all been part of your plan. I knew that's why you wanted to talk about desert and that's fine. I don't necessarily disagree that things are going to get fucking a lot worse. That's always been my... Like, my doomerism has always been like, it seems like to me, if I look to the future... If I were a
1: betting man. If I
0: was a betting man, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. But I never intend to be prescriptive when I say those things. And I I swear this isn't a backtrack, like (laughs) me trying to like... Because I tried to make that distinction the whole time. This is a personal... Like, I guess you're right, dude. Like, my doomerism is more of a fucking aesthetic than, like, a Mm -hmm. politic. I know it's, like, the name of our our (laughs) podcast and stuff, and we talk about anarchism and stuff, how doomerish shit informs my politics. I think that it's terrifying to imagine, and, like, it saddens me to think about billions of people dying slowly dissipate whatever yeah. we don't have to, i don't have to ruminate about like uh, the fucking horrible details of but what but it can is look horrific
1: like, like i we it's should take a moment just to acknowledge that it's that like to is die from fucking horrific change. Yeah, and that it's these people horrible. are like romanticizing this future which would be horrific to live through and there's going to be horrifying things that people live through and die yeah. from in the coming decades no matter what and i admit that like that's part of your doomerism. i acknowledge that that is True.
0: Totally. Yeah. And like, what makes me reject a lot of like what we're discussing in this in this pamphlet and desert? Shouts out to our last episode. I put myself in the shoes of like generations. The empathy episode. Yeah, the empathy episode is what I was talking about. I put myself in the shoes of like the generations that come down the line and will look back on our generation and be like, "You had the fucking opportunity." And like, imagine mm-hmm. you're living in the midst of fucking this, this climate horror that they're describing. Yeah, and you come across a text like this. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine what that person? I would almost want to like write a fucking like fiction about like just like hot tears coming from their fucking eyes, dude, and just like how angry I would be at reading like like whoever was that fucking wrote something like this. And you can't even get fucking revenge on them because they're already like hundreds of years dead, and they probably died in rel- relative comfort compared yeah. to like w- the horror that they're fucking living in i right, hate because that. also
1: like we have to acknowledge that even if the future described in this book comes to be like it's not going to be in this author's lifetime exactly. or not when they're like a fit 20 or 30 year old person who can like go off and hunt and forage or whatever if you they if you can do. even do that
0: like, as a, as a 20 year old because right. how, many, how many of us are like fit and not just like, de- it, like depressed sorry. and fucking like smoke cigarettes and drink beer all the fucking time you know i i, I know a plenty of homies that do take their fucking health seriously but
1: me and my bug out bag are lasting like a week and a half that's
0: <laughs> yeah dude
1: that's yeah. how much I place on my ability to survive. You're gonna have
0: like one day of hiking, then you wake up and your fucking legs won't want to move. I know, you know. Oh yeah, whatever, dude. We, yeah, it's just it's, <laughs> it's 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 a fucking bummer to see people like waste their fucking time. <laughs>
1: it's just like a romanticization of living in collapse that they're not actually going to that see. That they're not gonna see, dude. And it's just this like, and
0: it's gonna be so like, much more Just Go play fucking a video game, dude. like
1: go read Dune Let's and like also pretend you live problem, on that too, planet. Like they
0: play shit like fucking Fallout or whatever.
1: I don't um, want to live in the Fallout this, I'm universe. Not, I was going to say, I was
0: going <laughs> to clarify, this isn't an anti-gamer podcast. It's very pro-gamer, you Escape into into the games and stuff as often as pro you can. Pro Fallout
1: you. specifically, just to clarify. Pro
0: Fallout New Vegas. Like yeah, Pro, pro, sure. pro Obsidian-released Fallout. We can have Ali on to become and defend you, like, <laughs> Bethesda's bullshit, and I'm sure she would love to do that too, but uh, either way. Like I said, it's why I couldn't finish reading this book yeah. because I I felt oh, like, I, out, I, like I know I know I well I really did because I was I was like intending to like read through it that whole uh-huh. night but it like it literally just like pissed you off me too pen- much. No, it wasn't just that it it pissed me off. It was that it sent me on a, like a tangent of like other thoughts. And yeah, yeah. Was I was I wrong and like like having only read like like no the no. I about, mean like, I really don't blame goes. you.
1: Like I'm surprised I did make it. You're much
0: better guys. at 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 uh reading at reading, but either way very disappointing from what i read and what it seems like there is to take away from from a text like this i i guess yeah it's nice to have something to critique i i feel like that does like help to sharpen our own own definition of of politics which i think is is important to do every now and again this like desert is some fucking death cult shit man it really is and i i i feel for the people that read this text and and identify with it and Now that I'm not as, like, mad, it also makes me sad, you know, Mm. that, like, people would rather throw their lot in with this shit. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I get it. It does hurt to fucking lose, man. But I feel like that's the wrong way to look at our struggle.
1: I mean, maybe to turn the criticism inwards a bit, like, as a social anarchist, like, as someone who really wants to contribute to the building of a better world, we have a burnout problem. We have a this is really hard work and we don't know how to do it problem. And I think there's this huge sense of urgency. There's this huge sense of personal responsibility. There's this huge sense that we don't even know where to start. And there's not enough counter narratives to this. Like I said earlier, like the narratives we can grasp for in response to climate change is one outright denial, which we know where that comes from. That comes Mm. from the oil industry. That comes from capitalists that want to maintain the status quo, that uh, have a good life now and don't care about the future. Don't care about the third world. Mm. Or we acknowledge, like, how bad it could be, and then there's nihilism climate nihilism where you acknowledge that it's horrible and that's okay and that's inevitable and there's nothing that we have to do about it and it's like if those are your options that are presented to you they're all horrible options exactly right and it's not that there aren't people putting out positive visions of what it would mean to build an ecological society Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. what it would mean to fundamentally transform the relationship between humanity and nature in such a way that it is based on destruction and exploitation and expropriation Mm -hmm. what it would mean to solve human social relationships so that you know there aren't small groups of capitalists that exploit and ruin the lives of of everyone else like at the expense of of the planet and the well-being of all the human beings and every other living thing in the biosphere there are people putting forward those visions but maybe not enough like maybe we're not harping on it hard enough like maybe we're not doing a good job of laying out what that could look like maybe we put forward too strong of blueprints and that turns people off or maybe the blueprints aren't strong enough and people can't believe in the vision i don't know what it is man you know no it's fucking does hard it. I think that's
0: what i don't know i get it but like getting it isn't just enough because like at the end of the day dude you got to fucking be willing to like critique yourself you don't have to throw yourself a struggle session dude but like i don't know this kind of shit isn't gonna fucking like it can't fucking stay popular you know i, I can't help but like imagine someone in the future where it is where the horrors of Climate disaster and like the ravaging of this world put on by like capitalism without it ever being like opposed in a meaningful way because we decided to just tuck our heads and wait for the worst shit to happen. I can't imagine them reading shit like this and not just being infuriated. Right. I mean, either desert
1: is proven right and everyone in the future fucking resents (laughs) like the tendency that this came out of for giving up hope or whatever, Uh or desert isn't right and we're able to like create a better world and. It just seems like a weird tidbit, like a weird <laughs> blip in history. I, I mean, I think, so, or I think there's plenty of possible futures that this like doesn't really account for that are kind of like mid grade, you know, like features that are really bad and <laughs> represent like you know, I like capitalism and this system of states that exists. If it is going to survive through the next century, is going to have to invest a lot of resources into like attempting to manage the climate which i don't think they can do well but i think they can do well enough to like maintain their own power you know at least kick the ball down the road a little bit yeah there's a lot of futures that suck in different ways or represent something a lot closer to like what our current world looks like probably intensifying divisions between the first and the third world intensifying like wars over resources especially water and land as both of those things become more rare wars over food as like that gets harder to produce under these capitalist paradigms
0: right because i think there's this idea with apocalypse because like people forget that like like apocalypse means like catastrophic one event big fucking thing that happens like that's not gonna happen that's not gonna happen that's why i feel like people see catharsis and just like Mm -hmm. ideas like that because a it's not gonna happen without actual like revolutionary struggle or whatever you know there won't be a cathartic thing you know like where the world gets so uninhabitable that the government leaves it and then that's right. where our anarchist fremen are gonna fucking move <laughs> into and like develop still suits and shit right. you know
1: smoke some spice or whatever you don't smoke spice you
0: uh no you ingest uh you can ingest it in a couple different ways <gasps> But um, but we're talking
1: about fictional Dune spice, not yeah, people. The spice, is,
0: the spice melange.
1: What is spice in real life? Like fake weed? VT. You know what I'm talking about? Oh oh, K2. K2. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not. I was just
0: watching videos of, of that because they smoke it in prison and it's not. It's not good. <laughs> yeah,
1: I've I've heard. I've never yeah. never smoked spice. <laughs> I don't know why
0: there's so many videos of that on Facebook that pop up. I don't know what the algorithm is trying to tell me. It shows me like UFC fights and fucking. Because you're into Joe uh, Rogan. And they know I'm not that. into. J- oh man watch it <laughs> to keep my finger on the pulse of the culture that's it
1: okay because
0: okay. i'm a cultural commentator either way don't let us digress too much
1: are we wrapping up are i we... feel yeah, yeah i yeah. feel like we
0: probably said we... as much as we can unless you have some other no. thoughts on it because but... i think it is uh, it, it do was you have supp- any fi- yeah, final thoughts uh, uh, i think it was surprising how like passionate i got about this even, without even having read it all yeah you know because <laughs> it's pretty upfront with where the pamphlet is going you mm-hmm, know with that mm-hmm. with like laying out its argument and like What do you suggest is, like, an alternative to this kind of shit? Do you have one? You're putting me on the spot. Uh, uh, Yeah, sorry. I don't mean (laughs) to put you on the spot.
1: I did pick this as a piece for us to read and talk about because this feels like really poignant Doomer versus Bloomer content Mm -hmm. and because I am very much interested in different philosophies or ideologies surrounding nature and capitalism and nature and how we build a more ecological society and how we overcome these horrible contradictions and, you know, impending climate change and all that. So I'd be, like interested in continuing to like delve into and investigate different things in this sort of genre or like that are opposed to this Mm -hmm. i would love to do future episodes breaking down as we said like malthusianism like population control stuff like eco-fascist stuff Mm -hmm. i'm reading right now the debates between murray bookchin and dave foreman about deep ecology versus social ecology who's dave foreman dave foreman who founded earth first oh
0: okay I have their direct action manual.
1: Don't admit that on Mike. That's sketchy. (laughs) Uh,
0: I used to. I got rid of it once I realized it was illegal.
1: Yeah, so I'm (sighs) currently working my way through this book. It's called Defending the Earth. It's just basically a write-up of the debates between Murray Bookchin, founder of social ecology, and Dave Foreman, one of the founders of Earth First. Yeah, I definitely fall on the social ecology side. I know a lot less about deep ecology. So I'd be really interested in like exploring those debates more in the future and like getting into that. That's a good idea. Um, yeah. Maybe putting so- forward more concretely um, and more specifically what the alternatives to this kind of thinking presented in desert are. But I would definitely say social ecology is an ideology that I'm very much inspired by so and informs. In G- Google Murray Bookchin. Yeah. Google Murray Bookchin, yeah. you know, ecological problems are rooted in social problems we need mm-hmm. to re-harmonize our relationship with nature and do it through directly democratic egalitarian federations oh, of how communes s- you're saying this is if like i don't a know yeah in, yeah. Know? yeah just do <laughs> those like, things no, not-
0: <laughs> it should be maybe no, I agree. I, I, because I feel like that's what I turn to when I find yeah. myself falling into like eco pessimism. I call it. I read or listen to some fucking Murray Bookchin to Hell be yeah. like to like ground myself in something. Just ground myself. Yeah. In like something more concrete and more and just just more useful in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. You know, like I'm sorry. Maybe it's rooted in like toxic masculinity or whatever. But it just it seems kind of pathetic to just be like not doing anything is actually better than trying to like struggle for something better. I don't know if that's like exactly what it was cut that cut cut all that. All I'm saying is that I find ideology like desert um yeah, I guess pathetic or whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's what you're landing on. I guess okay, man, folks, I I'm trying I'm trying to
0: find like a more diplomatic way to put it, but I guess if I'm just being honest, maybe I shouldn't say pathetic, just it's sad. It saddens yeah. me. It depresses me more than than I like, guess having hope did. I guess my takeaway from that, you know. And I guess it's just, it's, it's a matter of where you put that hope and like putting it in apocatopia is just like way more fucking like black pill than I ever thought that I, I could be, you know, it's death cult shit. Yeah. And I think we as anarchists should fucking reject that shit. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I would just say, like, I don't know if we're really speaking to anyone here that is, like, committed to this ideology of desert, but it is shared around a lot. It's fairly popular, and I heard the sentiment sentiments, like, oh, I'm afraid to read desert because I feel like the Doomer perspective will be, too, like, too intoxicating, oh, you know? God. And, like, no, but I think that's a real fear, no, like, because, yeah. like, because the future that it presents feels so possible. Like, when you know everything that's wrong with capitalism, when you know everything that's wrong with states and hierarchies this feels very possible like we know everything's fucked up and this is the logical conclusion of how fucked up things are also I guess I I just like want to say I mean you can't say you guess like you've been here like fuck you for pretending you're above that like I'm trying to have I'm trying to have empathy for people that are having a hard time connecting to a sense of hope that may be feeling burnout that may read something like this and say, like, maybe this is truthful. I guess, like, re- maybe this is the better option. I mean, this is my wrap up thoughts. You had your wrap up thoughts already. You, you attacked
0: me though and <laughs> said, fuck you to me, so let me clarify just a little bit. Okay, 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 okay. But, like, i the reason that I i get dismissive of it is because I get why people could say, like, oh, I'm scared to read this, but the reason I like roll my eyes at that is because then you read shit like, oh, the third world is like beautiful and like it's actually cool to to, right. to like, live I mean, under tents and stuff. And but then, it's
1: easy to like gloss over that. I don't know it's not it shouldn't be easy to... well, anyways sorry I'm just saying like if you are in a place where you feel particularly vulnerable to this type of thinking I hope we provided some useful frameworks for yeah seeing through it and recognizing mm-hmm. the fucked up aspects of it and you know ranging from like the fetishization of the third world to this like selfish like individualistic abandonment of hope and you listen to the episode you know what we said exactly. I-, I hope it was helpful I hope it it helps you see through some of the rhetoric in this zine, and you know maybe it inspires you to to check out some other stuff that's better. I don't know. That's, that's right. we'll come back to this. We'll, we'll, we'll keep coming back to it. to it.
0: Keep thinking about this. That being said, got anything? Got Love anything you, Tommy. Love you too, bud. This is good. I'm glad you. Uh, I I know I
1: I. Okay, you can I, I, keep... <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. Thoughts already. Yeah. You you keep. I know what you're trying to do. You're
0: trying to cure me of my doomerism. Yes. Uh, but it's not going to work, and uh, fuck you
1: I love you too, Tommy. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Doomer vs. Bloomer. If you liked our show, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Doomer v. Bloomer. And consider supporting us on Patreon. It helps keep the show going. We're proud members of the Channel Zero Network, so without further ado, here is a thing from another podcast you're listening to a channel zero network podcast the channel zero network is a decentralized network of anarchist podcasts, bringing you analysis of current events media criticism rebellious music interviews with academics and authors how to's and so much more
0: This is The Final Straw Radio, a weekly anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio show broadcasting out of occupied Salaghi land in southern Appalachia. Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy.
1: What's up, y'all? I'm Pearson, host of Coffee with Comrades. You've been listening to Rebel Steps. I'm your host, Liz. Believe in yourself, trust one another, and get organized. Hello, this is Linda. You're listening to Subversion 1312... On the Channel Zero Network. Whether you are an curious or a hardened militant, CZN's ever-growing roster of programs has something for you. Head over to channelzero.network.com to find out more. You keep texting and it's really throwing me off. I'm I am not texting,
0: I'm looking at the notes.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Hell yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry, dude. No, that uh, makes uh, it... no. I like literally didn't know what you were doing, and I was like, "Is he really like on Twitter right now?" Or something? No, 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 no.
0: no. I'm Twitter. like trying to. I'm like <laughs> so looking at the funny. fucking notes, dude. Okay. Are we good? Oh,
1: we're good for We're good for good. We're good With the freedom, I am a dead word.